tournament zone. Okay, here we are at Wet Coast GT in Burnaby, BC, yep. suburb of Vancouver. <laughs> After crossing the border, it was very dangerous. Highly uh, yeah, I feel like we uh, were about to get shot by the border guard. Yeah, highly stressful situation. He uh, he was not a nice person. But but we're here, and we're live, as you can hear in the background. There's a lot of people talking. Um, live of course you'll be hearing a recording um just finished the first three games so it's the end of day one saturday i am suitably exhausted my voice is suitably exhausted yeah i'm pretty pooped too yeah you have to be uh, you have to be really loud in this room it's a small room i'm pretty pooped too oh, oh you were saying in the room in general <laughs> uh there's butt crack on display like I know, man. That's like it's really distracting like <laughs> me. Like we got gamer crack <laughs> right there. It's uh, hypnotic almost. <laughs> I guess if you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> it's like I, I avert, can't. avert my eyes. Yeah, I, I gotta keep my eyes closed. I can't stop looking. Ah, uh, it burns. Okay, so okay, game games one, two, and three for me, um, and for you, Ricky. Let's go, let's go through them a little bit while they're still fresh in our minds. All right. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll be joined by some of the other folks here. Uh, otherwise, we'll just be kind of sitting here looking lonely, which is, eh, you know, I'm used to it. I'm a nerd. Yeah. Okay, so what was your game one? Uh, my game one was against, uh, oh, boy, it's been a long day. Um, it was against Warriors. Yep. I was trying to remember his name. Um, and I can't. I okay. apologize for that. But it was against Warriors. And I actually ended up getting a draw, which was a surprise for me. Yeah, that's almost like a win for you. That's Yeah, that's as close <laughs> as I can come to a win normally. Um, it, it ended up being a really close, really bloody game. Um, I think he was a little more scared of my army than he should have been. Well, there are a lot of models. And so he held back his big corn uh, Death Star. And it's not really a Death Star, but a big corn infantry uh warriors unit and he held that back and that uh i think actually helped me out helped me get the draw because that unit alone probably would have just worked its way through my whole army huh. um the the whole game came down to probably uh the mangler squig rolling a seven instead of an eight um had it rolled the eight just that one more pip it would have gone through both hell cannons and that unit of corn Oh, wow. Um, oh, you killed his unkillable BSB, right? I that did zinch? end up killing his unkillable, you know, the, the, zinch, uh, the zinch BSB on the three, disc with the, the re-rollable ones <laughs> on a three-up ward save. Thereby so, proving that it's not unkillable. Yeah, so it turns out all you got to do is hit it with a mangler squig. Um, and, <laughs> then, and then wait for him to roll like four or five, one, or four or five twos, yeah. and then you're good to go. Um, right. So that was uh, pretty lucky for me, but nice. beyond that, um, okay, it was a tough fight. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we've been joined by uh, Dan. Dan, what is your last name? Can you even hear me? Uh, no, now I can hear you. Okay, hang on. Let now me turn you. Actually, let uh, me turn your mic up. There we go. Towards me. There we go. What is your last name? Minor. Minor. Okay. So but that Dan doesn't mean that I'm too young to be uh, able to drink. Uh, uh, Apparently, Pat's <laughs> trying to kiss me. Dan is being kissed by drunken <laughs> gamers. <laughs> Uh, multiple too, times. It's it's actually kind of obscene. Okay, so 
Dan, um, you're the organizer for the fantasy part of the Wet Coast? Yeah, and I actually do the general organization for the whole event. So Okay, so what all is at the event? There is a uh, Fantasy 40K, War Machine, Malifaux, and uh, Netrunner, X-Wing, and Flames of War. So, so Netrunner is a card game, right? Yeah, we okay. actually ended up getting no people showing up. So even though we organized an event, there was actually no person. Nobody there. So. Okay, yeah. so so it's an entirely miniatures-based event. Definitely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Is that is that uh, unique in Victoria or in Vancouver? Sorry for. Um, are, there, are there other events that are entirely miniatures-based of this size? I I don't really know to be honest. Uh, I've been running events like this uh, for fantasy. For 12 years now, so oh, cool. uh, that uh, explains why actually, you know, fa fantasy is my passion, and I've been doing this for a long time. Why we, why fantasy trumps every other event at this particular event? So. Yeah, so we're in we're in a room here. Uh, it's one of the sort of hotel ballrooms. I would say about two thirds of the room is dedicated to fantasy. Um, well, maybe maybe three fifths, and the remaining uh, portion is is kind of split between Malifaux and 40k players. Oh, there, there is, there is male making out happening beside me almost. <laughs> Does that bother you a little bit? No, it doesn't. Uh, really? th thankfully, my ears are protected from your tongue. Peter so. is imposing himself on his Hi. personal space Hi, at this point. Hi, world of the internets. Okay, there and we this go. This is that Peter, Peter from the Chump Hammer Hi, podcast. Peter. Yeah, yep. We, we're having a little bit of cross podcasting going on. Cross. D don't get any. Don't it's get like any Dick's ideas. Oh no! no oh no! Please no! Dick's please no! no. Dan, I won again. Mental image is gone. It's totally my messed up at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so there's quite a few teams that have come along here. Um, I know that you uh, you take care to make sure that teammates don't play against each other. Um, how, how many teams are actually represented? Well, uh, CHOP is the biggest team. Uh, in fact, they're so large that we ended up having to force them to break into multiple teams. So we've got like the Chump Hammer crew, which is the guys who run the Chump Hammer podcast, and then we've got the rest of CHOP. Um, which in total is probably about 12 to 14 guys. Okay, and that's, uh, is that one of the gaming clubs here? Or? Yeah, that's okay. actually a local gaming club in North Van. That's the, the group that I'm actually a part of. Uh, we run it over the Eagles Club uh, once a month, uh, 10 bucks basically, and okay. play all day. Uh, then there's the Greenskins, which are the Islander guys. They're the guys from uh, Vancouver Island. Yep. Uh, and they've got a good about 10 to 12 guys. And then there, you guys brought up like seven to eight guys. Yeah, we brought seven. And then there's the WCP crew, which actually is kind of a part of CHOP now because we've kind of amalgamated. And that's another like six to eight guys as well too. So. Okay. So so about. And that, so that's about like 30, almost 40 people. Exactly. I would say like when I was actually doing up the the clubs at this point. I think there was actually only about four people who were not club affiliated. Oh, so. interesting. Oh, cool. So that's kind of nice. Um, you, you get a, it's definitely something that brings out the social side of things um, to come into this event. There's a bar just outside the, the hall, which definitely <laughs> helps. Um, so, so talk us through a little bit about how the um, uh, how the 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 objectives and scenarios and so forth work and how they hang together because I. It's uh, certainly a unique experience for me. I've not seen uh, this particular blend of things before, and I think it's interesting in general. So, so talk us through how that works. Well, the neat part about it is, is that the, the biggest problem that a lot of places have is actually creating that disparity between the top guys and actually everybody else. And uh, the, the biggest thing with this is, is that because there's actually three different things to focus on, you've got actually not only your regular game, but also the, the strategy cards that you pick and actually the taxes of having three objectives on the table. 
what it does is it creates, for one thing, actually, the objectives, because to try and get full points for everything, um, what ends up happening is, is that to be able to get the objectives, you can't really have a Death Star. Yeah. Uh, well, you can, but you actually are going to be giving up, like, you know, probably about 10 points a game, basically, because of the fact that you're only going to get the one objective, because you yep. can only claim one. Yep. Uh, and then, basically, you've got the tactics cards, which, so, you know... So, one, one second. The objectives yep. are, in this case, they're like three little objective markers. Um, one goes dead center of the table, and then each player places one outside their deployment zone anywhere they like, except in a, except in a building or impassable terrain. That's correct, yeah. Okay, so so you have to be within three inches of that unit to claim it? Yeah. And then there's some rules about how you... Tie breaks and tie stuff, breaks. yes. Yep. Okay, yep. okay, so that's objectives. So then you were gonna talk about the tactics, go for that. So, yeah, the strategy. Strategy, mean, yeah, The sorry. strategy cards is basically is that every game you get to pick one of five strategy cards. You can't use any card more than once. And uh, it allows you to kind of tailor things towards those rock, paper, scissors matchups where you maybe aren't going to have a particularly good game or like maybe have a chance to even win against other opponents. But you can actually maybe tailor your strategy cards to be able to get some points out of those particular games and deny them actually of some very key points um, for, for them actually being able to be top tier as well too. Because um, accomplishing your own object strategy card is only five points, but denying your opponent actually is denying them a potential ten points. Yeah, right. So that so uh, if you if you deny your opponent, you earn ten. Yes. And uh, they obviously don't earn the five. Yeah. So so there's there's fifteen possible points from from those two strategies. Yeah. And and I think now I've had. Let me see. Yeah, so so I've definitely I've I've achieved my objective I think each game. Yeah. But but I haven't been able to prevent at each game. Yes. And that's quite tricky. And that hurts a lot actually. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and the objective marker is like uh, uh, to give an idea. I, I played my first game was against Vampire Counts, and uh, he had at the end of the game he had uh, his Vampire Lord left on the table and two units of zombies that he'd raised, but the Vampire Lord. Uh, was uh, was on the objective marker in the center, uh, <laughs> and and he raised a unit of zombies big enough to to, to take, be able to outnumber it and to take outnumber that me and yep. take down another objective. Yep. So here I was sitting, you know, thinking I was sitting pretty, uh, totally forgot about the center objective, and and uh, he. Uh, he took the other one from me, so it's a good equalizer, even in those games where you, you do get it tabled. It definitely or, creates a lot more yeah. to think about. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually think it's so much to think about. You can't. No, it's not that you can't keep it all in mind. It's that y you you have to choose uh, how you're gonna how you're gonna win. I think it yeah. also creates outside of the box thinking, and like it really b like benefits those people who do think outside the box. Because what happens is you get a lot of these guys who net list and basically uh, have those kinds of lists that just run at people and 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 just try and beat the crap out of them. And you know, in our particular environment, when you talk about the objectives and the strategy cards, that's not necessarily the best way to go either. Yep. Because you may be exposing, for example, something that you need to protect for purposes of your strategy card or what your opponent played for a strategy card. And yep. plus, you're actually maybe not focusing on the objectives that are in your own deployment zone as well, too. So. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then to top it all off, um, inside the the battle itself, um, it each one of them is a scenario um, that has. It's either it's either based on one of the rulebook ones or it is one of the rulebook ones, and and then there's some you know a twist, yeah. a twist to it, and and those twists are are affecting the victory points inside to decide the win loss part. Yep. So so you're either winning or losing or drawing based on on that, 
which is is what 20 10 and 5 is that how it works 2012 and 5 2012 yeah. and 5 so the, okay. the, what ends up being is the metric actually between a win and a loss is 15 points which is actually the exact same amount of points that tactic scores and strategy scores are worth right right so so really you have uh, three possible avenues to pursue points in and and you know i think the majority of people focus on beating the crap out of their opponent first um, but um, hopefully the the general um, comp system like the war built-in warhammer comp system is sufficient that that uh, you know nobody's nobody's really getting that that you know 2500 points off the whole table in turn three or anything like that um, so you end up with uh, a, an opportunity even if you're doing really poorly to still score between 10 and, and 30 points definitely yeah and you know it, it's actually it's a it's the brainchild of Chris Powell, actually. He uh, did a lot of work actually getting this all set up and getting the whole metrics of this actually into a place where it's actually in a good spot. And the, the reason behind it was actually is we've been, we're big comp onions up here. We actually end up doing, we've been big fans of trying to push, trying to push the envelope and get away from netlist and out, you know, those, those inside of the box types games. And uh, so what we've done is in the past is we've done a lot of uh, judged comp and the problem is, is Judge Comp actually ends up ending being so subjective that yep. it ends up being polarizing. Yeah. So what ends up happening is you get a lot of people who are, you know, you get tons of people who are really happy with the situation and happy with the way things end up. You always get those that loud vocal minority that end up being unhappy about the way that their their comp they, they feel that they were unfairly judged or anything like that. Yep. Uh, we ended up migrating and evolving that into a system where we actually had a checklist system. But what we ended up happening was, is that we ended up having people, it ended up creating a new metric to break is really what it amounts to. So right. it ends up people, rather than, you know, going with the net list, they go, wow, we've got this kind of comp system. How can I break that? Basically, yeah, of so, course, of course, because that, that's what you do, right? You no, know? That's exactly it. And there, there's still that kind of metric there in this particular type of environment. But the thing is, though, is that in my opinion, what it ends up being is it, it becomes outside the box enough that you end up bypassing a lot of the net lists into creating what ends up being actually balanced armies to be able to accomplish all three. Yeah, and, and actually that, that shows because there are some armies here that are, are not really capable of, of achieving all of those three things. Um, I, I think like my army suffers from it a little bit. I have, I have very little in the way of static combat resolution. So for example, um, hard for me to, to hold objective markers. Right, uh, very easy for me to get there, yep. but hard for me to hold them because um, I got a small number of models, yep. and so it's like uh, right away I can see the the weaknesses in my list uh, because I, you know, I hadn't played these this way before, yep. and I brought something that's like, oh, this seems good, and yep. and I can feel that that there are definitely stronger choices I could have made um, based on based on objectives. I think one of the largest examples of this is Tomb Kings is very much seen as a very weak book. Yeah. The the only one Tomb Kings list here actually has only lost a 20 out of 150 points at this point. Yeah, so he's got three wins in terms of uh, battle victories. And With he's almost full points almost on Almost full everything. points yes. on everything since then. That's, uh, that's Cody Jensen. Yeah. Right? yeah. But he's a fantastic player. Though, he is a good so. player. I've played him. Uh, I played him at Godicon as well. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping to play him here, but I doubt I will because I'm not going to be on the top table. <laughs> <laughs> So how long has uh, Wet Coast been going? 
you said you've been um, running tournaments. This is the second years. year in Wet Coast, but uh, right. before that, it was a, called, called the WCPGT, which was the name of our club. Yep. Uh, and uh, we, like I said, I've been running it for 12 years. So uh, up until that point, you know, for us, we think beer and Warhammer is synonymous. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, for us, we've been running it out of Legion for the majority of the part. But then what ended up happening is Legion actually ended up closing down and being renovated into a big condo, which is very common in Vancouver. So, yeah. uh, you know, high price real estate the way it is up yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, so what ended up happening is we ended up uh, being in Fort, like pushed out of our particular space. And when we looked at, you know, hey, the best way to attract out of towners is to be in a hotel where it's much easier for them to be able to, to drink and have fun and stagger up to their hotel room. In fact, actually a lot of locals are taking up on that for tonight actually as well too so nice yeah cool um so uh this is obviously one of the uh u.s masters qualifiers you and i uh talked earlier in the year about about putting it on the circuit yep um, this is kind of our our canadian experiment <laughs> um so i'm really hoping uh, that that the uh, ballot gets passed that that allows canadians to compete um, from what I've heard in talking to the various uh, chairmen and so forth, nobody's against it. So fingers crossed it should all pass, and then we'll be able to include the BC guys if, uh, if we uh, go out there. So. I certainly would like to see that because, you know, as you can probably attest, is that we've actually got a, a pretty good meta up here, and we actually have a lot of really good caliber players. So Yeah, so, um, yeah, the meta up here, I mean, it's uh, – I think it's actually – more vibrant than what we have in Seattle, um, for sure. It is, yeah. Uh, because a lot of ours gets kind of sucked into uh, War Machine because uh, Privateer Press is based there, you know. Um, so well, as much as like the chop guys are a bunch of drunks, yeah. Um, there are also um, very great ambassadors for the hobby. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them have fabulously painted armies. Uh, yeah. Even if, like, for example, Pete doesn't act actually pay somebody to paint his armies. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not it, they paint them or not, fabulously looking armies always kind of sell people on games as well, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, that's my big pet peeve of actually War Machine is that, you know, a lot of those guys are playing with, like, bare metal or bare yeah, prime stuff. Yeah, I just went in, walked into the room and there was a, nothing but metal on most of the tables. But <laughs> is that any different where you guys are at? Like, are uh, a lot of people That's kind of typical for too? War Machine down there. Yeah. Um, but uh, our fantasy people are getting better about painting. Right, Because right. I, I, I put a lot of emphasis into paint points in my tournaments, and I think that's helping them. It's the same thing that we do here, right? Yeah. We're, we're, well, we're not actually putting as many paint points as we have in the past. Yeah. We are penalizing people who don't have at least a three-color minimum. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, to be honest, actually, and I was talking actually a little bit about with this with Aiden actually online a bit, talking about how, you know, the meta up here actually, Death Stars actually aren't as common as they may be in other areas. And that's because uh, a lot of us actually uh, use a lot of diverters. Yeah. And yeah. what ends up happening is you end up, you know, I sacrifice maybe 200 points worth of stuff to make sure that your 1,200, 1,400 point unit is doing nothing all game. And I'm just focusing on everything else. Yeah, I don't, army and I don't really see very many of them on the tables many. here. I yeah. think it's all pretty balanced. Yeah. Yeah. And very balanced, very competitive lists up here, which is really fun. Yeah. With high level of play as well, too, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. If you're not actually playing with the, the net list, push it forward type lists that are going to win by themselves, uh, you actually have to at least have some kind of yeah. a, a strategy behind your army to be able to make them work. So. Yeah. yeah. So we've also been joined by Paul Garb. Um, Garb? Garby? It's actually Garby. Garby. Yeah. It's my phone keeps pronouncing it Paul Garb. Mm. And it's like that, that throws me. And then it doesn't understand whenever I tell it. 
It's all anyway. right. Common mistake. Common yeah. mistake. So Paul. That sounds like an excuse to me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, so Paul is uh, is the uh, advisor for the masters for the Northwest region. So uh, I'm the I'm the chairman, and he's the guy that keeps me honest. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> yeah, we we got a good relationship going on there. So he's played a bunch on the East Coast, um, and so when we talk about comp and scenarios and everything to do with the tournament scene, uh, you know, he's got a lot of the uh, understanding of what happens over there. Um, whereas, you know, in comparison, uh, the West Coast is, is incredibly laid back. And so um, what, we're, what we're currently trying to figure out is, this is why I was so interested in the objectives and the, yeah, yeah. And the pain points and how you do it all is. I remember you guys were actually quite skeptical online, actually, if the whole system actually. In a yeah, I, well, I was, uh, I, I, I wasn't I'm sure how well it was going to, how well it was going to work. Yeah, I mean, having played for three games of it, um, I think it does, uh, I, I think you need to do it in a GT. Uh, it has to be for people who are, are pretty serious about playing Warhammer. Yeah. Right. You, it can't be. I, I don't think it's the sort of thing you would do in like uh, like a one day casual event or, or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's too complicated for, say, like the sparkle parties. I think that having three things you have to track, uh, you know, the, the normal scenario, then the card, then the objectives. That becomes a lot for people who are new to the game to really track. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. No, I but, completely understand that. Definitely. At, up here, you guys have. It's the majority are veterans. I don't really see anybody here who I didn't see at Godicon. Yeah. So they they all are veteran players, and I think that that's easy for them to handle. And actually, I was gonna say I, I just played a guy. It was uh, I was his seventh game ever. Okay. For Warhammer. Yeah, Brian. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great that's guy. One of Dale's buddies. Yeah. 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 You know, super cool. First time I played against dwarves or whatnot, and I will say like. Of the the like even just the the fact of trying to play the game was very like difficult and then like I was having to uh, I was having to remind him about the tactical objectives and, and whatnot and uh, yeah even just that that sort of got lost and so I, I, I kind of agree like it for a one day event I think it would be very very confusing but I think at the same time too it provides an interesting dynamic like I was looking at it and the the breakdown as far like it, what is a hundred points for the pure like victory points like the wins and then 75 points for the uh, tactical, and then 75 points for the strategic. Yeah. But there's awards for each category. And really, yeah. like the way I go into GT or like any kind of mm -hmm. tournament is like, what award do I want to try and shoot for? What do I feel yeah. like has a really good chance? And it gives yep. a lot of different like options, like being like, okay, I understand, like I might be not very mobile army, but I can go and like get a lot of victory points difference so I can pull out these wins or, you know, very mobile army so that way I can go and get these tactical objectives, objectives. Yeah, exactly yeah. and so i think it, it provides a really good kind of balance that i didn't really think of before yeah so so effectively instead of just saying best general you're saying we got the best tactician mm -hmm. the best strategist uh or uh is and that the, the best name general the actually best, is the name of the, the best the, the general battle score, is, yeah. the, is the battle yeah. score one yeah. okay and then there's actually the overall as well too which is so the best overall of all three so yeah so for the overall um uh there the painting points um only come into it as a penalty if you're unpainted that, that is right? correct yeah and that's actually new this year we have done paint judging and stuff as well too but in the past uh, but the problem comes in is the same thing as like what we're talking about with uh, army comp and army judging as far as that goes yeah, it ends subjective. up becoming highly subjective you yeah. know I may like you know uh, non-metallic metallics that might not be your gig 
and you know if you're judging now that may actually color the the score that yeah. you end up getting yeah. and so you know there's and who's right really really comes down to it right just because it's not my thing doesn't mean that you know that yeah. you're not right in your own position right? right so because it's so subjective it becomes really really difficult to score I'm gonna actually disagree with you I think it's actually very objective at least in the way that I've seen it done like that I feel right like you may not like um, like non-metallic metallics yeah but like understanding the difficulty of that yeah I think I think that when I've seen tournaments actually go and be like okay if you want to do non-metallic metallics or yep. you want to do advanced blending like sort of understanding the actual technique behind it and not necessarily appreciating it as art but rather the skill that was put into it I think that's the important thing and so no, I don't disagree like uh, you know I I, I I am actually personally, you know, as much as I use that as an example, mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of non-metallic metallic, mm -hmm. but I do appreciate the art and the amount of effort that actually goes into it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of more just as an example. Um, but okay. now for, let's say, for example, if it became a, like a judge thing, you can go with the checklist style system where uh -huh. everybody's hitting the check boxes. And we've done that in the past, actually, where, you know, if you're actually getting your three color minimum with like a little bit of extra highlights on top of that right. and a little bit of like, you know, solid basing on top of that, that you're hitting at least 75% of the scoring criteria is mm -hmm. going. But really, you know, at that point, you know, there's going to be some other people who are maybe, maybe the really super high caliber painters that are going to be like, well, why are you only valuing, you know, everybody else? This guy's only yeah. got three colors and he's hitting 75%, right? So there's always going to be somebody who's unhappy. You can never make everybody happy yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. So in this way, what we've done is we've still actually, there is still painting uh, voting, uh -huh. and actually the criteria there is there that actually best painting actually still gets recognized. Uh -huh. It's just not as, we're not actually putting as much emphasis on it as far as actual best overall is concerned. Yeah. And so you put the penalty in there to encourage people to have painted armies so that it's a better experience all around, but... But it doesn't really affect, uh, you know, your chances of winning uh, exactly yeah. other categories. Well, that's exactly it because yeah. you know, I'm like everybody else. I like seeing a painted army against me, and I very much appreciate a very well painted army. Like, I will, I'm still awestruck at like the, the quality of armies that we see here on a regular basis. Our region actually has got some very very good painters, and like Patrick Caroline mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. stuff like that as well too. Um, and it's not and it's not like it actually is a highly affected the the quality of armies that show up. Mm -hmm. I think actually what it's done is it's become more inclusive to the people who maybe were more intimidated right. by actually having to hit a high painting criteria to be able to compete. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, so Wet Coast, uh, it's it's a two-day GT. It's uh, is it always uh, kind of end of June? Last year actually was at the end of July, so this was a move back of a month. Okay. And that actually is because of the fact that to try and get better prices with the hotel, we wanted to try and avoid Peak wedding high season. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, next year um, as the Masters participation um, uh, increases. We're going to be looking at, at moving to probably just having GTs be part of the qualifiers. Okay. Because um, uh, this year we have we have uh, some one-day tournaments and some two-day tournaments, uh, primarily because the the uh, the whole thing was just getting established. But next year it'll be it'll be all GTs. Now I think there's is there four regular GTs up here in Vancouver. For the two days, uh, I was gonna say it seems like there's quite a bit. I mean, we do actually yeah. have a very vibrant, especially yeah. Warhammer scene. Ab actually, yeah. we've got a lot. Like the chop guys, like between just the chop guys, we get like 24 to 30 guys showing mm -hmm. up. Yeah, 
Um, and so we've got uh, obviously Wet Coast. Yeah. There's Got a Con. Uh, last year there was T Shift. Um, although that had low enough attendance that I'm not, uh, it's questionable whether or not yeah. it actually happens again this year. Yeah. We yeah. have Kippers. Kippers. Uh, and like, I would call Kippers, Wet Coast, and Godicon as like the top three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but even so, that's three, right? You know, right. that's a lot than a lot more other right. regions that are kind of get in the area so yeah yeah actually i was talking to jen earlier the 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 um she runs kippers yeah and uh she also writes for bell of lost souls oh there's yeah. also attack x in kamloops which is actually only like a two and a half hour three hour oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Attack she like after talking to her it seemed like there was just a really good strong core of gamers that show up for these tournaments which seems yeah. like why you know, you have such an expansive range, actually, which I'm yeah. kind of impressed about. And and they spread the tournaments out uh, throughout the year, so so it's like okay, you can still take the weekend off because it's not you know three weeks apart or whatever. It's it's a couple of months apart. Which is exactly why more of you Americans got to get your passports. And yeah. get right, here. right. And that was the other thing she was talking about. Is sim- it seemed like that you know it was it was kind of a repeat. Like a lot of times that the tournaments were, you know, the same kind of winners or whatnot, and see like. That's why I'm actually really excited to be up here because I haven't I haven't met any people up here. I haven't been in contact. I've been mostly yep. in contact with people in like Oregon or whatnot, and so getting to meet the people. I played the winner of Godicon and didn't even know it first round. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I pulled yeah. a draw, and so yeah. I feel a lot better about myself in that yeah. draw. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, um, th- we love the Portland guys because they're just a great bunch yeah. of guys to play against. Yeah. Yep. But every single year we come down to, like last year we went down to OFCC, mm-hmm. which is their big team event. Right, yep. right. And uh, the Canadian teams took top three. There, mm-hmm. there was, you know, the, the top American team was fourth. Yeah. So um, we do have a lot of high caliber players up here. I, so. I remember hearing uh, cries of filth actually related to that. <laughs> but, but, but we'll say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so um, I think the, the main thing that we really got to get going is to get you guys to come down to some of the, um, the GTs as we start running them uh, more regularly in Seattle area. So that's not too far, I think, for, for folks to come down. Uh, you know, Oregon's a bit of a trek, right? It's like five, six hours. Yep. Whereas where Seattle's just like three hours away, so it's not yeah. too bad. Well, us or we go down to Oregon once a year for OFCC, anyways. Like yep. we're we're definitely willing to make that six and a half hour trip. So yep. that's like not a big deal for us. So um, you, we just actually, I think, I think we need to have more cross communication between the different groups right. and actually make sure there's more awareness. Of the yeah, right, right. yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Uh, thanks very much for taking the time to talk with us, Dan. I think I've seen uh, everyone from uh, Seattle come past saying, "When are we going to eat dinner?" So I think that's probably next time. <laughs> <laughs> the car is starving. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks. Take it easy. Good morning. Good morning. Guten Morgen. All right. It is Sunday morning at Wet Coast GT, and players are very slowly starting to trickle in. Um, with us today, uh, we've got Anthony Greenman, who's one of the guys from uh, from our local club in um, in Seattle. Welcome on the show, Anthony. Uh, thank you, Aiden. I'm a longtime listener, first time <laughs> caller, <laughs> but I'm very happy to be here in Vancouver and on the podcast. Cool. So Anthony um, Anthony brings his demons of Slanesh everywhere and kind of you know rubs them on people. Uh, <laughs> I try, as, as Slanesh likes to do. Uh, so, how's it? How's your experience being the first three games? Uh, it's been pretty good overall. Uh, I feel like I've gotten gradually better with the list, uh, a little bit more efficient, learning its sort of its strengths and its weaknesses. Uh, 
a list of this nature due to its just inherent limitations I, I put on myself, you know, keeping strictly monosalinesh. I don't take, you know, anything else from the Chaos Demon list. There's going to be some limitations there. Shooting high shooty lists tend to be my sort of my downfall high armor save list, you know, one up cav list, things of that nature. But uh, one loss, uh, two losses, one win so far, and I'm feeling very optimistic for today. Cool. So, so talk us through your list a little bit. Um, I, I know the most striking thing about it is that uh, big Keeper of Secrets you've got right in the middle. Yeah, well. I use the uh, the Forge World Keeper of Secrets, which is, as you well know, a, a very effective centerpiece for the army. Doesn't it have multiple boobs? I mean, I'm pretty sure that. We're <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the most boobed model ever. I think it has eight, <laughs> eight. breasts, four sets. <laughs> if I'm doing my math correctly. <laughs> uh, but yes, it's very boobed, breasted. Um, yeah, the Keeper of Secrets, of course, is the uh, general uh, for the leadership of, of nine. Unfortunately, not ten anymore. Yep. Uh, two greater gifts on the Keeper. I'm trying to maximize my opportunity to get the two-up armor save, right? since it's random, of course. Yeah. Um, then I used this particular time, I took three heralds at level one, just because magic tends to be an area where I have shortcomings as far as just maybe it's my luck. I don't know. Okay. But more channeling opportunities and more opportunities to cast my little Slanesh spells like Acquiescence. Yep. Um, so three Heralds at level one. I put one in the Chariot. I put one as a BSB in the front rank of my 59 strong Demonet Horde. Yep. And then I put another... Uh, and uh, Steed of Slanesh and a uh, unit of Seekers of Slanesh. Okay, so you're kind of spreading them out there. So so with the Keeper, what lore is he, he taking? Uh, she, Shadow, it, of course. It, I don't know what the correct pronoun, <laughs> it, pronoun is for her, for him. <laughs> for it. you got to okay. take Laura's Shadow. I, I've learned the hard way to uh, debuff you know, the combats that you're trying to uh, yep. Get your combo charges in uh, because mind raiser on those demon yeah, is legal. A mind raiser on a exalted chariot can pretty much chew up anything. Yep, that yeah. I found. Does the chariot come with uh, always strikes first built in? No, no, it does not. Okay, so you, uh, do you have you take that um, that locus on any of your heralds? I take it. Uh, I take it on the uh, steed, the mounted one, the steed of Slanesh. Okay. So that unit uh, of ten uh, riders of steeds has uh, okay. always strikes first. Okay. Cool. Um, so, so two more games today. Um, uh, what are you hoping for in terms of uh, in terms of finishing record? Uh, I'm hope my my I would be very happy with a win and a draw. Okay, so, so end up two, five hundred. Yeah. would be nice. Uh, right. Obviously, two wins would be great. <laughs> but uh, realistically, I think a win and a draw would be respectable. Do you think you and Ricky are going to end up in the in the final game like you did at, yeah, at God Final Con? game, round one, or <laughs> table one, that's us. Yeah. We're going to uh, submarine it right, right back to the top. A you little context watch. here for people. Me and Ricky almost invariably end up playing each other at the end of tournaments for whatever crazy reason. Probably because we always lose. <laughs> but I, uh, I didn't want to say it. It's, it's looking less and less likely that Ricky and I will play this tournament, unfortunately. Yeah, oh. I'm, uh, I'm too far down, and you're... You're a rising I'm like, star. I'm in the middle. <laughs> I'm the I'm the mediocre power. All right, cool. So, uh, um, any uh, any armies that you've seen um, in the uh, in the display that we've had? There's a whole bunch of fully painted armies here today. Most uh, I would say most of them are fully painted. Any of them really stand out in terms of looking cool or, or Yeah, there there are several armies I've been very impressed with. There's a um, 
a very impressive vampire count army uh, that I'm actually my next game that I'm playing with, and the gentleman happens to be standing. We should get we should get him on the talk. Except he's eating a burger. He is eating something <laughs> currently, but it's a very impressive army, very conversion heavy. Yeah, uh, has sort of this kind of ethereal, uh, so that very sort of ectoplasmic uh, color scheme. Yeah, very it looks nice. Great. Yeah. yeah, we'll um, we'll try and get him on. His name's uh, his name's John Falkowski. Uh, I played him yesterday, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, really nice guy to play against. So you're, you're yeah, gonna, I'm looking you're forward to it. A fun game. Um, hey, oh, he's coming. He's coming over. That's great. Oh, he is coming over. Yeah. We're gonna, okay. We're gonna get him on to talk about his inspiration. And yeah, Ricky's just uh, getting him settled we down. We were just here. talking about you, John, and how much we like your army. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So welcome. Um, thank you. Uh, it's Falkowski, right? Is that am I saying that right? Yeah. So go go right up close to that microphone there, and let's make sure we can hear you, okay? Uh, you want to you want to sort him out there, Ricky? <laughs> we we literally just grabbed John. Are you yeah. still recording? Yeah, I'm still oh, okay. recording. Yeah, I'll, we literally I'll just grabbed John, and uh, I never stop recording, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I can edit out anything that's uh, that that is uh, dull and boring. But uh, anyway, John, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, I can hear you good. That's that's the important part. Um, Okay, so we were just talking about um, some of the armies that were on display, and the first one that came up was yours, and we looked over, and there you were. So uh, um, talk us through some of the uh, cool conversions that you've done for your army, because it's really heavily converted. Yeah, super hit. Uh, a lot of it's actually from uh, Chaos Warrior kits, and I've used um, kind of a filio, uh, filio um, material that's sort of, it's like paper, yep. and, it, and I attach it to a lot of it. So I wanted to make sure the, the whole idea was kind of a ghostly army, yep. and so it's kind of flowing through the air. So uh, almost everything except for the skeletons uh, don't have legs, right? So it's nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. So so you've got a big unit of uh, wraiths in there. That's correct. Uh, which I, you know, was uh, fairly scared about yesterday, <laughs> and <laughs> but but also um, very visually impressive. Uh, the thing I really liked about them is they look like they're they're coming out of the rocks, you yeah. know, which r really put me in mind of um, <coughs> pardon me of uh, like the the. Lord of the Rings kind of, you know, yeah. borrow yeah. What, wraiths and, and that sort of thing. That's exactly right, yeah. Um, and then uh, and then your BSB, uh, talk, us, talk us through that model. Well, uh, he's just a big old uh, like Chaos Lord, and mm -hmm. heavily converted, you know. And then so uh, the idea where I got him from was actually um, another guy in uh, Britain had sort of a similar army, and he, he, uh, and he was doing a kind of a shipwreck sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And so uh, that's sort of where some of the ideas came from, but... Uh, so the the chaos it's the mounted chaos lord, yeah, and, that's correct. And then because uh, obviously we're just kind of describing it for people, it's a yeah. little tricky. Uh, hey, is it okay if Ricky brings yeah, the model yeah, over? Bring hey, over. Ricky, bring it over. Bring 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 the 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 BSB, the BSB over. No. Um, I, I didn't. Yeah, go for it. I, I feel kind of bad because he fell foul to my wild riders very quickly, and I didn't get a chance to get a good look at him. So he's he's got a very cool kind of T-shaped banner. Um, and uh, um, he's mounted on. What, uh, is this like a? Did you sculpt that, or is that? No, is that's that a piece? A, yeah, that's a, a rock just from uh, Micro Art Studio. Okay, so it's uh, oh, nice. Okay, so I thought there were the banner effect is particularly it, striking with it, how dynamic. Well, thank you. It's very, very cool. It's 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 kind of like a ragged. Uh, I I gotta get a photo of this actually and put it on our website. It's a really cool model. Um, so, so uh, um, if I get a couple of photos on there, and then you guys, uh, if you're listening, can take a look and, and get an idea for the feel of the army. I think I did take a photo of the whole army, but I'll make sure and take another one. 
Um, so how come you, uh, what made you choose that theme? Well, uh, yeah, well, it was a good question. I wanted something a little bit different. I wanted something a little ghostly. Uh, I was trying to build an ethereal list, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I thought, well, okay, what could I do with that? And, uh, and uh, some inspiration from the net, of course, and so it, and it happened, right? Uh, you know, the, the guy with the, the boat there, it's kind of the river stick sort of idea. Yeah, uh, yeah so this is a, a corpse cart conversion that you've done? Yeah, the corpse cart, yep. Yeah, um, I didn't even, uh, so I'm not a, a huge, uh, hugely experienced with uh, with the vampire counts uh, as an army, and I saw this boat thing, I'm like, what the heck is that? Uh, so I made sure and shot it really quick. I'm like, <laughs> if I don't understand it, shoot it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, a good philosophy in life. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be a beacon. I don't know. I, it hasn't lasted any game yet, and I haven't really used it. So yeah, yeah Jesse's talking about taking one in his army. So yeah, so this thing is—it looks. Cool. You've got like a, a poleman at the back with a big, big scythe, and then like a, almost like a navigator guy at the front who's kind of uh, putting his hand out to show the direction, and then a whole bunch of skulls. And and um, one thing that I pointed out to you yesterday, I really liked about your army. Um, when you see a lot of ethereal stuff, uh, either uh, online or, or at other tournaments, they tend to have that uh, uh, very heavily ghostly blue color that, that features, whereas you've just used it very sparingly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it actually makes the whole army look way more ghostly. You know, everything's dark and, and, and disturbing, and, but those little hints of that brightness, such a contrast that, that it's like, oh, that's that's you know it, it, it's not obvious in your face and so you really notice it. Oh, thank you, yeah. thank you. It draws the eye definitely. Yeah, it sort of sure. centers it on the model where it should be. Yeah. Very cool. So how's striking. how's your tournament going so far? Oh, good, good. Made the, a lot of well, played a lot of good players and I always enjoy this tournament. It's always good. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. And and you're from the Vancouver area? Yeah, I am. I am. Okay. Cool. So. Well, look, thanks very much for coming yeah, on. No thanks problem. for Thank talking about Yeah, great. <laughs> Good luck, you guys. I hope you have fun. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks, man. Thanks for the interview. Oh, no, it's great. It's a great army. Yeah. <laughs> so Ricky has gone off in search of further victims, I think. Um, meanwhile, yeah, so that was that was John's army, and, and I think certainly going to get one of my votes for, for best painted. We get to, we get to vote for three. Um, three best painted, and uh, always hard not to put Ricky first. <laughs> no, it, even with our bias acknowledged, yeah. his army is is yeah, top phenomenal. notch. It's and, shh, and, shh, he's uh, back. Stop talking about I, it. Just to give some sort of frame of reference for people, there are many people here I've ran into who have said that the photos online don't do it justice at yeah, all. Yeah, they really don't. They really don't. And they don't. Okay. So we're being joined by the lovely Jan Aspton. Am I pronouncing that rightly? Good job. Oh, there we go. Um, no, all, all, every time I see it, I split it into two words, and it's like an Aspden. That's exactly <laughs> how okay. my husband explained it to me when we got married. You're going to have to come closer so we okay. can hear you on the microphone or bring the microphone closer. I've never closer. had my own microphone before. It's oh, exciting. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we roll. So Jan is, uh, let me see if I can get your, your, your um, gaming CV correct. Um, you, you have... Um, you write for the Battle of Lost Souls, yep, and and you run the uh, Kippers Tournament, which is in yep. um, uh, Vancouver Island, yep. and that's an annual. That's a gaming convention. Do you run the whole convention or just I the? Do. Oh, you do right. So, wow. so 
Well, uh, I, I should say I organize it. I do have some people that run the specific events but, for me. Yeah. But you carry the whip. I do. Okay. So so tell us about the, the uh, tell us about Kippers. Kippers started out just as an eighteen man fantasy tournament. And then last year I expanded it and included War Machine Magic, uh, 40K. We do it at the Legion in Nanaimo. Well, we did last year. I'm looking at bigger space this year. Um, and it turned out to be great. We had upwards of 30 fantasy guys, 30, 40K, 24-ish War Machine players. And I, did, I lost count of the Magic players that were in and out all yeah. night. <laughs> so they're hard all to count those guys. Interchangeable, you know. And I... Because for me, a tournament is more about the social aspect. That's why I liked doing it at the Legion because everybody can just sit around and hang out afterwards. And um, and we tried to do it so that there was things going on in the evening that people actually wanted to participate with so that they would come back and hang out after they'd had dinner and whatnot. So yeah, cool. We wound up doing Malifaux and X-Wing on the Saturday night. All right, cool. So how long has it? How long have you been running uh, Kippers This will now? be its third year. This will be the third year. Cool. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we're looking at is um, if we're if we're going to be um, expanding the U.S. Masters circuit next year um, to focus primarily on two-day GTs. I'm trying to figure out well what what is going to make the best um, what's the best uh, set of of tournaments to use from Vancouver because we need to kind of find a balance between. Yeah. You know, BC tournaments, Seattle tournaments, or, or Washington tournaments, and uh, uh, Oregon tournaments. So we get, you know, a good uh, geographic good mix, split. Yeah. So um, it's always interesting to hear. When do you when do you run Kippers? Kippers is the last weekend in October. October, okay. Yeah. So that's actually the same weekend that we're running a Sparkle Party. Aww. Yeah, that's going to be our Sparkle Party. That's too bad. I know. Yeah. <laughs> We'd love well, to maybe come I'll up. have to fix that for next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Spo we could probably move ours around too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Next year we'll coordinate on yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's well, what we've done up we're doing here is I started working with the other TOs to coordinate dates up mm. here so we weren't piggybacking on each other. Mm. And Are yeah. you doing and everything a costume contest at yours? I haven't yet. Oh, we're doing costume contests with ours. <laughs> yeah. The guys have told me they want me to do cosplay at it, but I know nothing about the stuff, so yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to go to organize that. Well, our one is pretty simple because it's like the weekend before Halloween. It's going to be yeah, yeah. Well, I tried last year. I did tell them because it was the weekend of Halloween last year uh -huh. as well. And I said, uh -huh. if anybody wants to show up in costume, go ahead. You want to yeah. bring <laughs> Halloween-themed stuff? Go nuts. Right. Cool. <laughs> Nobody did. Yeah. But. So where did the name come from? <sighs> Kippers. When I was doing it as just a fantasy tournament, I was trying to think of a name. And I was trying to think of something medieval because I've always been interested in med medieval stuff. So I went online and I was looking up tournaments in the medieval history and they the kippers were these little peons that ran around for their knights collecting the trophies from the tournaments and if they were in a battle with somebody and they won their helmet or their armor or their horse the kipper was the one who went and collected it ah. so i thought what more are we yeah, I actually <laughs> did not know that. No, that's a I really interesting either. piece huh. of, of I trivia. took a lot of flack from the Chump Hammer boys initially because all they knew about kippers were that they were a fish. Well, I'm yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw my first kipper last weekend when I went grocery shopping. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, no, kippers are delicious. <laughs> um, and that's what I thought. I'm like, why did they name it after a fish? But uh, I imagine that the little guy who was sent to run around is actually... They nicknamed him a kipper because a kipper is like a little yeah, fish that you eat in the I morning. Get so that yeah, too, from yeah. What I've read. that's so, clever. And then I kind of just stuck with that. No, that's great. 
So um, you're running it again in October this year? October this year, yeah. Okay, interesting. So we, we need to um, make sure that we, we uh, uh, don't steal too many of your players for the Sparkle Party. Yeah, I guess anyone that can't come down for, for Seattle, obviously the same weekend is going to have yeah. the ability to come out to the island to play. Yeah. So that's cool. cool. So what are you working on right now for Bell of Lost Souls? Um, well, I've been doing a series on how to play fantasy. Um, the one that actually published yesterday was um, tournament etiquette and I've been asked to expand on that a little bit more by some of the readers so I'll probably work on a little more focus on specific things that they've talked about cool yeah. so that's like uh, isn't that like part 10 of a 10 that's part series yesterday was part 11 wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. on tournament etiquette right <laughs> well, the whole series isn't on tournament etiquette wow. it's just Very how to cool. play I'll have to I go did, look that one up and read it I did a getting started series um, the Larry, the guy that runs Bell of Lost Souls, had asked me to do a Getting Started series. And most of the guys I know are vets, but I used to work at G-Dub, so I'm used to teaching brand mm -hmm. new players. So when I wrote it, I wrote it focused on the new players. Yeah. So the How to Play series was a little bit of a continuation of that one, and yeah. then also gearing it a little more towards the vets. Yeah. And some of the things that I've seen at events that cool. Cool. may or may not be happening. And what army did you bring today? Uh, I to brought the Empire this weekend. All right, cool. It's been an interesting. Beautifully painted, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah. it's not fully painted, but it's getting it's there. Mostly, it's mostly there, yeah. <laughs> and you had like a, a two-headed uh, beastie. The griffin. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, uh, what? tell us, talk us through your list a little bit. Um, when I decided to do Empire, I'm a Bretonian player by trade. I've been playing <laughs> Bretonians for almost 10 years. Do, do those Empire Knights look a little Bretonian, or is my eyes deceive me? Okay, they do. Okay. Because I was looking at that army going, oh, it's a Bretonian. No, it's a, no, no, it's, no Empire. it's Empire. No, it's Bretonian. When I, somebody took an Empire list to Godicon a few years, and they did Marienburg, and they had, or not to Godicon, to Adepticon, and they did that big trunk with the Kraken and yeah, the yeah, ship and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I thought it was beautiful, and that's the first time I'd ever heard of Marienburg. And when I was looking through, trying to decide on my colors, and I was reading the fluff, and I thought, you know, my kids really affect my how I paint my armies. My Bretonian army is themed around the Mike the Knight kids TV show. So <laughs> I have a character that's Mike the Knight and I have all the little village people are in my <laughs> my uh, men at arms and they're actually I borrowed them from my empire army this weekend. Nice. Um, so when I was looking at it originally they're all into Jake and the Neverland Pirates and I love the land ship from Forge World oh, and yeah, I had cool. some of the um, Manon's Blades models. Yeah. And so I was looking at it, and my kids were watching this episode, and it had this whole desert theme, and they had a land ship. And I went, I have to have that in my army. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I was starting to think, how am I going to do this as a desert theme? And I didn't like the whole pyramid thing with the Empire Army. It just didn't suit the yeah. Yeah, yeah, Warhammer sure. thing. But... Um, so then I started looking at the models, and I knew I've never had an army that I could really use a giant model monster effectively in. And I thought, I'm taking a griffin. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went with a griffin, and I because I play Bretonians, I didn't want to do the all-night list. Right. So I'm yeah. dominantly infantry. I have yeah. a 50-man block of halberds with a 25-man detachment, more halberds, and a 20-block of archers. Nice. And then a second block of... Good for you, an Empire player actually taking infantry. That's yeah. uh, very commendable. Well, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not heavy into the artillery either. Yeah. Um, I When I first started playing them, we've also got the Forge World Mortar 
bases, which oh, is yeah? what I've got my rocket battery and my Hell Volley Blaster mounted on right now. But I started playing them with mortars, and I just didn't like the strength too. But I would rather use rocket batteries than the Hell Volley Blasters all yeah. the way. And they're considered the underdog of the artillery. They're really cool, they are. <laughs> I don't enjoy the cannons. I don't find them very yeah, accurate. We're, we, we, well, cannons are pretty accurate in general. Yeah. Well, they can be. But we, uh, Mine just we, we generally have an <laughs> uh, anti-black powder stance on this side of the table. So yeah. <laughs> my husband plays Imperial Guard, and when he played Empire, it was all guns, and I, it wasn't for me. I didn't want to be the gun line and I didn't want to be the cavalry, so I went a little bit different. Cool. So. And uh, how's your how's your record uh, so far after I'm day one? I'm at one win, one draw, and one loss. Cool. Oh, and congrats. What are you yeah. hoping for by the end of the, uh, what are the, end of the I'll tournament? I'll be happy with what I got. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I've always been kind of mid to bottom tier with the Bretts, so I've, this is the first time I've used the Empire at 2,500 points, so I'm I'm happy that they've managed to pull off at least one win. Sweet. So. Sweet. All right, cool. So um, I think we're going to be getting started playing shortly, so yeah. we're going to wrap it up. Thank, thank you very you. much for coming yeah, on. Thank you. Thank you. We're at the end of Wet Coast GT. Uh, five games done. I, I won two and lost three, so snoop. Um, how about you guys? I got So we got uh, with me here, we got Jesse, with who brought his Skaven. Anthony, who was on earlier, brought his uh, uh, Demons of Slanesh. And Ryan, who brought his Lizardman. We, this is the, the posse that came up uh, from, from Seattle with me. Jesse, how did you do? Uh, I ended up one and four. One first and four. Day, uh, first day was a complete shutout, and I managed to get my last game just by a bit. So. Okay, cool. At least you didn't finish 0 and 5. Is That's a really positive way to look at right, it. My, my opponent finished 0 and 5, so uh, that made me feel a little bit better. And, and what was the – oh, thanks. Uh, Dan's just handed me the complete breakdown of the results, um, so we'll take a look at that in just a sec. Um, what, uh, what do you think was kind of letting you down? Um, you know, it's the first time. I don't think we've seen nearly as many Warriors of Chaos players. Um, definitely a different meta up here, and I've gotten so used to kind of having an all-around but not overly, overly powerful list. This was the first time I think I fought some really competitive tournament armies. Yeah. The meta up here is definitely a little different than we had back yeah. in Seattle. Yeah, we're a lot friendlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Handsomer, too. That's true. Uh, so, uh, Anthony, how did you do? I also finished two and three. Um, my first game of the last day was a, a route of the vampire counts, and the second uh, was a close match with the Beastmen that I ultimately lost to uh, the mighty uh, Doombus. Oh, the, you had the you're fight, fighting um, the Minobus? The Minobus, That's yes. It. Yeah, that that's hard to beat because you can't just feed a chaff because it just gets worse. No, it really it really is the case. Uh, it did take that enti basically his entire army, including that bus, the entire game to crack my horde of demonettes. Oh, but they finally got cracked. They did, they did. Yeah. But uh, it was a valiant fight, and I uh, I feel pretty good about the result overall. Nice, nice, Ryan. I as well finished two and three. It's two and one on the first day, zero oh and two today. So yeah, that was the same. A little with bit me. of swing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, anything that uh, what, what do you think was the weakness in your army or uh, I think I need more source in the unit that with this land okay so yeah. how many were you running 29 plus a scarvet plus a land so okay so they just didn't have enough damage uh, they couldn't soak enough damage yeah I found them dying quickly especially if I miscast yeah, yeah some of them sure. that way yeah. um, so uh, do you think you'll keep uh, running with that sort of same list and just bulk out the source or, or will you change it up 
been thinking about it, and we started talking with R Ricky at lunch, going back to the uh, Ethereal Land, and just oh. keeping him next to the Saurus block or some block, so he yeah. gets a lookout surge save and then a ward save against whatever. Yeah, that's gonna be make him very hard to kill. Yeah. So we'll see. All right, all right, seems good. Um, okay, so what have we got for the results there, Jesse? Why don't you tell us uh, like the top three for for Wet Coast, um, best overall. Yeah, so um, looks like Cody Jensen came on top with the the Tomb Kings. That is that um, is unbelievable. Actually, I think incredible. that's a that's actually a testament uh, to how the uh, scenarios and uh, objectives and so forth work. Because, yeah. you know, his army uh, his army was definitely good. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think he had uh, he had that special character in a really big unit of of archers. Um, did you face him, Jesse? I did. That was my first game, um, and he had me he had me just about tabled by turn three. I think, uh, you know, I think he definitely made that army two win. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to him at the last tournament, and he said he was basically building that army just to say it could be done. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely think he had a, a mindset of making it as competitive as possible. And, and it was. Really, really bringing it out. Um, he didn't finish best general. Um, best over, best overall. He was best he overall. At. So the best general here was purely for battle, uh, for um, battle points, so victories and, and draws. And I think looking at raw scores, yeah, the best – that General, the, the highest raw score was uh, Peter Davis. With his Wood Elves? He was using Wood Elves, and I think the only issue there is... Which, maybe that was another trick list, I think. Yeah, you know, he all ambushing with all the Glade Riders. All, yeah. amb all ambushing core, and then he had a big bus of uh, uh, Sisters of the Thorn mm. with their four-up ward. And uh, I didn't get it. Did any of you play it? I did not. No. 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 Um, so I'd be, interested, I'd be interested to see what that list actually looks like. And then, so he came in... Uh, and the best overall, did he come in in the top three, Peter? No? Uh, Peter Davis was second, yeah. He, he was second? Yeah. Okay. And I think he was edged out because his army wasn't painted? Right. right, right. <laughs> and then third, we had... We've got uh, Dale Johnson. Who's sitting uh, beside me. Another, another player who... Uh, <laughs> Dale's a uh, Chumphammer uh, podcast guy. And so he brought... Which army? Ogres. Okay. Um, which I think was like the first tournament you played Ogres in? That's my seventh game of Ogres. Seventh I'm game with seven Ogres? So either you're an awesome player or ogres are really easy to win with. I think it's kind of a both. <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of both, he says modestly. <laughs> cool, cool. So um, overall thoughts on the tournament then, guys? Uh, I think Two thumbs up from Ricky in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, if you're going to take one takeaway from this tournament as a whole, I think would be that do not let anyone tell you that an army list is not viable. Yeah, for sure. Next sort of context here, the last two Canadian tournaments that we've attended, Bretonians finished best overall, yeah. and then Tomb Kings finished best overall, and as we all know, these are two lists that people typically like to tell you are not exactly in the running for best overall. Yeah. So, I mean, run what you want to run, and go from there. Yeah. I mean, if, if, with, with the scenarios and sort of the tournament, the TOs are implementing sort of objective kind of tweaks to their to their scenarios anybody can win any game depending yeah. you know with a with a a good grasp of the rules and the look of the dice really yeah run what you want to run okay ryan any any what do you think uh, what was your overall thoughts on the tournament it was a lot of fun i mean i hadn't done a uh, big tournament since last summer when we went down to oregon so i used to go to them all the time years ago in seventh and just now getting back into an eighth for tournaments as far as it goes and Looking forward to the rest of the summer. Yep. 
Any additional thoughts, Jesse? Yeah, I just, I just, it surprised me. This is the second GT we've had up here, and I've, I've honestly yet to have a bad game. Um, yep. I've yet to have a lot of wins, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> still, every every game you can be tabled and still have a blast. And I think that's a big takeaway. Yeah, yeah. I think the the venue um, w was a little on the cramped side. I think um, because we were sharing it with 40k and and a couple of other games, and so there were times when I'm like, I I've got nowhere to put my stuff, but. You know, it's no—it's certainly um, no worse than any other place I've been, and and a lot better in some ways. They had a pool and a hot tub and a bar, and uh, it's right in the same venue. So, um, I think uh, I think overall, um, it's a really it's a really good tournament, really good experience, really run very well. Absolutely, uh, yeah. all the games started on time, all of the terrain was there. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy it was part of the U.S. Master Circuit. I'm unhappy that I didn't finish as <laughs> high as I wanted, but. You know what? Um, there's always there's always sparkle party. Yes, uh, there is. So, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up, Ricky? Anything you want to say? No, he's done. Come wherever you are. Try to find yourself in a tournament in Canada, in Vancouver, and Victoria, particularly. Nothing but class acts up here. Yeah, and, and very um, very high standard to play. Absolutely. You know, so, all right, great. Well, we'll wrap it up there, and uh, we'll we'll use this as um, as our tournament zone for the next podcast. Mm -hmm.